The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he, eyes of the blind man, have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench, because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The Gospel of the Lord. I speak to you in the name of God, who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. On the first day of our sophomore year, my high school English teacher gave us some advice. Don't just watch the movie, she said. You have to read the book. Miss Bell was referring, of course, to American literary classics like The Scarlet Letter and The Crucible, like Huckleberry Finn and To Kill a Mockingbird, but her advice is more broadly relevant. Consider the images that come to your mind when I use this phrase. The day of the Lord. In my mind, the day of the Lord is a terrible day. All my images of it are dark. The day of the Lord is gloomy, 
with clouds blocking the sun and just enough rain to make everything feel damp and swampy. The day of the Lord takes place in the smoldering ruins of a city from which there is no clear means of escape. The day of the Lord is lit by hastily kindled fires, just enough fire to cast eerie shadows, but not nearly enough to pierce the darkness, or the dampness, or the fear. And then, of course, there is the other kind of fire that is associated with the day of the Lord, the fire of purgation that consumes and punishes us for every mistake we have ever made. These are the images that come to mind for me when someone speaks of the day of the Lord. But why? Where did these images come from? These are the images of the day of the Lord that are sold to us by those who profit from our fears by those who peddle shame and guilt. These are the images of the day of the Lord that are sold to us by Hollywood producers and supermarket novelists and the people who sell quick fixes to big problems on late night television. When we imagine the day of the Lord, we need to remember Miss Bell's advice. Don't just watch the movie. You have to read the book. In our reading this morning from the Hebrew scriptures, the prophet Isaiah offers his description of the day of the Lord. And there's not one goblin in it. There is no smell of sulfur. There are no bricks of brimstone. There is no fire to be found anywhere. Isaiah's description is set on the top of a mountain. The grass is green and the sky is blue. The sun is shining and mercy reigns. Isaiah writes, On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all people, the sheet that is spread over all the nations. He will swallow up death forever. And then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces. And the disgrace of his people he will take. For the Lord has spoken. This is the image of the day of the Lord that we find when we read the book. When we read God's good book. This is the image of the day of the Lord that the Lord of that day would want for us to have. No fear, only forgiveness. No goblins, only grace. No charge. Everything is free.
For these next few moments, please join me in setting aside Hollywood's image of the day of the Lord and imagine how Isaiah's version might feel to you. Can you smell the fragrance of spring? Can you feel the warmth of the sun and the coolness of the breeze? Can you taste the sweetness of the finest wine and the flavor of the richest food? In Isaiah's mind, the day of the Lord is a time of wholeness and healing, a time of abundance and generosity, a time of redemption and reconciliation. The day of the Lord is not a day that we should fear. The day of the Lord is a day that we should long for. It is the best of days, not the worst of them. Isaiah wants us to long for the day of the Lord. Isaiah wants us to imagine a day filled with light and life and love. He prophesies that we will all say on that day, Lo, this is our God. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. These last few verses highlight an additional element of Isaiah's prophecy that does not always make its way into the movies. We are not alone on the day of the Lord. We are not alone when we sit at God's table or stand in God's presence. Everyone is there. All of God's saints are there. Past, present, and yet to come. Those whom we love, those whom we lost, and those whose legacies have been covered by the sands of time. Jesus says in the garden of Gethsemane, I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. And that is true. On the day of the Lord, all of God's children find their way to the top of God's mountain. All of God's children find a seat at God's groaning board. On the day of the Lord, we will join our voices with God's faithful people in every generation as we sing our shared song of praise. Lo, this is our God. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. All Saints Sunday is my second favorite day of the entire church year. Easter Sunday makes the way, opens the way for the renewal of the whole of creation and All Saints Sunday reminds us to long for it. No, much, no matter how dark the world may seem in any given year, All Saints Sunday reminds us, invites us to remember that darkness will not win that darkness cannot win. 
All Saints Sunday invites us to remember that death does not get the last word. Because, you see, we already know how this book ends. We have flipped ahead and read the last chapter. Lori just read the penultimate chapter to us today. We know that the day of the Lord will not be filled with fire and brimstone, but with food and wine. And because we know that, because we know that great joy lies certainly in our future, our fear can give way to longing. And our pain can give way to praise. My prayer for us today is that Isaiah's vision of the day of the Lord will crowd out any other visions that may have been sold to us over the years. My prayer is that Isaiah's vision will be the only vision we have of the future that God has in store for us, of the future that God has in store for the whole of creation. Don't just watch movies about the day of the Lord. You have to read the book. <laughs>